when it comes to like, why do we care about having a period on a regular basis, ideally every month, a lot of this comes back to ovulation. So many women are focused on their periods. You're like, my period's late, my period's early. It's actually, it's not your period. It's all based around that ovulation. And that's really when we release that egg from our follicle, you can get pregnant. This is the only time of your cycle that you can get pregnant. Uh, and then after that happens, if obviously if the, if your, the egg does not meet with the sperm, you're not going to be pregnant. And then you have that luteal phase and you get your period again. So the highlight of the menstrual cycle is ovulation. That's the only way we make progesterone. And when a lot of women, we think about wanting healthy hormones, right? We want to have vibrant hormones and have like a really great metabolism. A lot of that comes back to progesterone. So I get this question a lot. I don't know if you do, uh, mm. but women asking, like they're doing all this, like pro metabolic, they're following all the pro metabolic principles or eating nutrient dense foods. They might even be like strength training, all the things that we talk about all the time. Mm -hmm. And they're like, but I'm taking the pill. Is that Mm -hmm. going to hinder my progress? And I mean, long-term it, it can, but the main reason is because you're not making progesterone. Welcome to the Weight Loss for Women podcast, a place where we share everything you need to know about restoring your metabolism so you can eat more, train less, and lose weight in a healthy and sustainable way. I'm Kitty Bloomfield, co-founder of New Strength and your host for this episode. I just wanted to say a big welcome back to everyone. I hope you had a great Christmas and New Year, and I hope you had some time off and got to have a break. We actually took off from the 24th until the 4th. So I think that's what, nine or 10 days and completely shut our business, which was just amazing. And it was so good to have the break. And we spent lots of time at the beach playing with the dogs, eating yummy food and just relaxing, um, which was just so, so nice. And I really, really enjoyed it. But I'm also excited to be back because I just love what we do and I love our work. So it's always nice to have a break, but it's always exciting uh, to come back and got lots of awesome things in store uh, this year with the um, Saturate Skincare finally coming out. Just can't believe it. That's probably taken about two and a half years. So that should be out in around February, which is really exciting. We've also got the Saturate Oyster freeze-dried oyster capsules from Tasmania. So they should be coming around, coming out around the 20th of January, which is super exciting too. So look out, look out for those. And this year we're kicking off the podcast, the very first podcast with um, the gorgeous Amanda from Hormone Healing RD. And she is, I just love her. She's she's just gorgeous. When you talk to her in person, she's just got this most amazing uh, energy. And I really wanted to get her on the podcast to talk about hormonal contraception. So Amanda is a women's health dietitian and she helps women get basically to the root cause of their hormonal imbalances so they can have a healthy menstrual cycle. And, you know, we've got a, we've actually got a module in our website around this, but I do get a lot of questions from women, you know, outside of our program asking me about birth control and hormonal birth control, you know, like the pill, the IUD, the depot shot, um, you know, just asking me, should they be taking it? Should they not be taking it? And I mean, obviously that is up to them, but I actually took the, the pill for many, many years and I just didn't understand, you know, back then why it was so important to ovulate and actually have 
a healthy menstrual cycle and the doctor never warned me, but I also didn't do any research. And, you know, I just really felt like it was convenient not to have a period because I didn't want to fall pregnant. Um, but like I said before, you know, even if you don't want to fall pregnant, having a healthy menstrual cycle and ovulating is just important for you for so many reasons. So in this episode, we specifically talk about how the menstrual cycle works, why ovulation and progesterone is so important, how birth control actually suppresses ovulation, how the menstrual cycle can offer insights into your overall health, you know, what happens when you stop taking the pill, why women become estrogen dominant, how stress can actually impact your cycle and ovulation, the effects alcohol has on the menstrual cycle, as you all know, I used to be a big, big drinker. Um, how the IUD interferes with your hormones, some symptoms that you can experience from birth control and synthetic hormones, and why it can take time for your hormones to come, I guess, get back on track and get back to being balanced after you come off birth control and how long this can take. And then, you know, how you can support your body when you're coming off birth control. So if you're a woman who is using hormonal birth control or who's thinking about coming off it, you'll absolutely love this um, episode. And as always, don't forget to take a screenshot and share your biggest takeaways on Instagram stories and tag me at K-I-T-T-Y-B-L-O-M-F-I-E-L-D. Hi, Amanda. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Kitty. Thanks for having me. Oh, we've just been having a good chat. No, she's actually pregnant, which I'm, it's okay that I say because by the time that this is released, yeah, it'll be common knowledge. I said, oh, you have to remind me not to say it because I have a bit of a big mouth and I just don't think about things. Um, You're totally fine. Oh, but that's so exciting. So you're due in May? Yes. Are you going to find out whether it's a boy or a girl? We are, we're, we, we're going to do a home birth, but the yeah. one thing our midwife requires is that anatomy scan. So I'm like, since we're doing it, we might as well yeah. find out what the gender is. So you don't know yet? No, not yet. No. What do you, what do you, what do you feel it is? Do you have any feeling? I think it's going to be a boy. Oh, so cool. I'm like pretty your positive. First baby. First baby. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so exciting. Oh, well, thanks so much for coming on the, on the podcast. I've been meaning to, be, to, to get you on for a while and, you know, one of the things I wanted you to talk about because I just get so many questions from women in our program and, you know, who come to us and women that do our challenge, so many of them are taking hormonal birth control. So like the pill, the IUD, the Implanon, um, the Depot shot. Uh, I actually took the pill for many, many years. And, you know, I just, I didn't understand why it was back then, why it was so important that I ovulated and actually had a healthy menstrual cycle. And I think, you know, when you go to the doctor, cause I had really shitty periods, cause I just did so much dumb shit, you know, like just <laughs> dieted so badly and drank so much alcohol and just you know but I never made the connection um and you know but the doctor never warned I mean but then again I think oh, you've got to take some ownership of this kitty like you didn't go and do any research yourself you didn't actually look into it you just went to the doctor they're like here take the pill and you're like okay great now I just don't have to you know I have that little period which isn't really a true period and it was easy and I could skip it and it was just I think a lot of it too was convenience uh and I didn't obviously want to fall pregnant either so you know let's maybe let's start with um maybe let's start let's talk about the menstrual cycle and ovulation and why that's important even if you're not planning to fall pregnant 
Yes. So when it comes to like, why do we care about having a period on a regular basis, ideally every month, a lot of this comes back to ovulation. So many women are focused on their periods. They're like, my period's late, my period's early. It's actually, it's not your period. It's all based around that ovulation. And that's really when we release that egg from our follicle, you can get pregnant. This is the only time of your cycle that you can get pregnant. Uh, and then after that happens, if obviously if the, if your, the egg does not meet with a sperm, you're not going to be pregnant. And then you have that luteal phase and you get your period again. So the highlight of the menstrual cycle is ovulation. That's the only way we make progesterone. And when a lot of women, we think about wanting healthy hormones, right? We want to have vibrant hormones and have like a really great metabolism. A lot of that comes back to progesterone. So I get this question a lot. I don't know if you do, uh, mm. but women asking, like they're doing all this, like pro-metabolic, the following all the pro-metabolic principles or eating nutrient dense foods. They might even be like strength training, all the things that we talk about all the time. Mm -hmm. And they're like, but I'm taking the pill. Is that <laughs> going to hinder my progress? And I mean, long-term it, it can, but the main reason is because you're not making progesterone. But I do want to say if that is your main method of birth control, like don't stop taking the pill, right? We don't want people to just stop taking it and get pregnant you want to educate yourself, but there are other ways there are meant. Didn't you have Lisa Hendrickson, Jack on yeah. podcast? Yeah. 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 She's an amazing yeah. resource. Um, right. Get her book, the fifth vital sign. And yeah. I, um, is it Tony Weschler's book, taking charge of your fertility yeah. is another really good one. You know, you talk about like learn fam fertility awareness, and it's actually yeah. really easy once you track like there's not that many days that you can fall pregnant. And I think once you actually get in tune with your body and you know, your cycle, um, it's, it's, I think it's relatively easy. Yeah. And one, I mean, I don't know how you felt, but when I learned that I couldn't get pregnant every day in my cycle, I was pretty, pretty angry. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? Like, because I just <laughs> feel like we're, it's so much fear mongering as mm -hmm. you know, a young girl, when you're growing up, you're going through puberty, you're starting to get your period. And you think I can literally get pregnant every day, <laughs> you know, but it's not really how our bodies work. And mm -hmm. so then we take something like the pill, or maybe it's the Mirena IUD or something like that. And that stops that ovulation. Mirena is a little bit more nuanced, which we can talk about, but mm -hmm. things like the pill that's going to suppress ovulation, Nuvering, very similar, the patch, there's like many pills that are only progestin. So like a synthetic progesterone, same thing. Um, those can suppress ovulation. So you're basically preventing that main event of your menstrual cycle from happening so that you do not release the egg, which means that you can't get pregnant. So it works, right? It does, mm -hmm. but there are downsides to that, right? You're not making your own progesterone. So then of course, like women come off the pill and they wonder why they feel terrible, have estrogen dominant symptoms mm -hmm. because they haven't made progesterone in however long they've been on that hormonal birth control. So it's, it's such an important thing. And progesterone is important for our metabolism, like our skin, our bone health, you know, so many different things that it's like, mm -hmm. it's not just this one thing that we're stopping. Um, like you kind of said, like it is convenient. It is a convenient uh -huh. form of birth control. Although you do have to remember to take it every day at the same time, which I'm like, if you can take your pill every day at the same time, you can take your temperature and you can check mm. cervical mucus is how I feel. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think, I don't know. I like, I often talk about taking ownership and responsibility and I hear a lot of women just go, oh, it's too hard. I don't want to do it. But I'm like, oh, you know, I agree at the start. I was like, oh, this is going to be annoying, you know, but then I thought, well, it's more important that I have a healthy menstrual cycle. So I'm just going to 
do it. <laughs> I'm just going to suck it up and do it. But once I think you get into that rhythm of taking the temp and tracking your cycle and looking for the, you know, the cervical mucus and the temperature shift, it's not hard. It's actually not that hard. It's like anything. You can make it easy or you can um, make it make it hard, I think. And I think too, like, yes, it gets way easier over time because it becomes a habit just like anything mm-hmm. else. Like I don't even think about checking cervical mucus anymore. I mean, obviously I'm pregnant, so I'm not checking it, but like for so many years, I, I like just didn't even think about it. It just becomes ingrained in you. Yeah. The other thing though, is like, even if you're not trying to prevent pregnancy, cause I know many women that are taking the pill using IUDs, not for pregnancy prevention. It's for like symptoms, mm-hmm. um, typically like endometriosis. Maybe they, t- they have PCOS and they're told like the pill is your only option. Yeah. Then you really want to think about how much information you're missing out on. Cause using things like fertility awareness method, when you're tracking your temperature, you get to see how is my metabolism doing? You get some insights into thyroid health and same thing with cervical mucus. It's like, depending on how much you're seeing, like that can give you insight into estrogen. So mm-hmm. And like the length of your cycle, your temperature changes, like that gives you so much information as you are making these nutrition changes, lifestyle changes that I'm like, I encourage everyone to do it. Even if you're not trying to prevent a pregnancy or conceive, it just gives you a ton of information. Mm, Yeah. And it's, um, I think it's really empowering, you know, like I found it eventually really empowering and like you say, it just gives you so much, so much data. And after a while, it just becomes second nature. Uh, yeah, it's easy. easy. And let's go back because you uh, you touched on it there is, um, and I was the same, like I had irregular periods, you know, I had a miscarriage, I had polyps bloody removed at a DNC, like I just had all this and I never made the connection, but it was like, just take the pill and then everything will be fine. And it just, you know, it's not actually fixing the underlying issue. You're just suppressing the symptoms. So, you know, you see so many clients who do that for years and years and then they they go so scared to stop taking it because all of their symptoms come back and sometimes it can be worse i mean Mm -hmm. think about it when you when you're taking hormonal birth control you are depleting nutrients at the same time Mm -hmm. so that is something especially if you're going to continue to take it like be mindful of so that you can try to replenish these while you're taking it but like magnesium, most people are already deficient in magnesium. So that's definitely not great. And that's going to affect how you respond to stress. And mm-hmm. as when you start losing a mineral like magnesium, you're going to have mineral loss in other areas as well. And then like B vitamins, so important things like folate, B12, vitamin C, which is like a really powerful antioxidant and vitamin E, you know, mm-hmm. we need those. And I mean, obviously like a lot of us recommend vitamin E supplements, but it's, it's like how much how much of a deficiency do you already have? Um, Mm -hmm. and then zinc. So it's like all these nutrients, very important. So when we start to deplete those on top of everything else, plus we have this history of health issues. When you stop taking the pill, it's, it's likely not just a hormone issue. You know, there's likely many other things that are happening when we're using hormonal birth control, especially the pill, whether it's a mini pill or not, it can also impact our gut bacteria, Mm. you know? So it's like, you some, I know a lot of women that have digestive issues after taking the pill for a long time. Um, some types of the pill have iron in it and that iron can really mess up your digestive system as well. So there's so many things that are going to impact different systems of your body. And it's, you know, a lot of the times, like, I mean, I imagine a lot of the people that follow you and are in your community, they're probably making a lot of positive changes that are setting them 
up to come off of hormonal birth control anyway, but mm-hmm. I do get the fear that's there because especially if you have endometriosis, really painful periods, that sort of thing. Um, but there's so many other things you can try to do to mitigate that. It's pretty amazing though. Like I still, it still amazes me the power of the, like this eat, eat, eating to support your metabolism, but all the other lifestyle changes too. Like we've had women in our, come into our program, like just this one that comes to mind, Lou Driver, like 20 years of horrendous endometri- like endometriosis, terrible symptoms, you know, and then she's been in the program 18 months and she's symptom free. You know, just from eating the food, making the lifestyle changes, like it really, it just, it still amazes me. Yeah. I mean, I feel like, oh, I, it's, it's crazy. And, you know, I will say like some people, their endo is so severe and Mm. like they do need to get like excision surgery. Mm. Um, But I've had a lot of women that have had excision surgery. And they're the type of endo that get recurrent lesions. Mm. Uh, but when they, you know, one of the first things that we work on is I usually try to see people before they get the surgery. Mm. So then we can start making changes prior work on all those things so that they can prevent that reoccurrence Mm. of it. So I've seen a lot of prevention of reoccurrence. I've seen a lot of improvement in symptoms and pain. I mean, Mm. it's so pain is so stressful. And a lot of women that have had chronic pain their whole lives, it's like, their minerals are depleted. Their their nervous systems like don't know what it feels like yeah. to not be in fight or flight. Yeah. So I find when they start eating enough and nourishing their bodies, they can relax a little bit. And I do think yeah. it helps a lot. Oh, so much. Yeah, it just um, it it is so mind blowing. But again, it's you can understand because I remember when I found Ray Peak's work in Emma, I was just like, although I'm pretty I'm pretty like jump in, you know, like I find something and I'm like, I'm just going to go all in no matter what and just try, try it. But I think a lot of women, you know, they're just, they're, like they say they're scared and they don't want to be in pain, which is totally understandable because no one likes to be in bloody pain. It's like, yeah. There's so many other cool therapies that kind of, I feel like go along with that with this way of like living though, you know, mm. like I, I'm sure like you see a lot of people share about like casserole packs and mm. there's like slowly more and more research coming out about different things, but like casserole packs are super helpful for those women. There's mm. a huge connection with endometriosis and iron. And mm. so if you think about it, casserole packs can actually help chelate some of that iron. So it makes sense that they would provide mm. relief, um, vaginal steaming. I mean, there's a crazy study that came out on this. And I think it was in Japan or maybe Korea and they had no recurrent lesions. Like it it was, it was like crazy. So it's like, there are other opportunities, but they're not presented to us. Right. Like, and that's the kind of healthcare system that we have, unfortunately, like it's, it's like sick care. We're not really getting like healthcare. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's why when you can take that ownership and empower yourself, like learn about different things, like make different nutrition choices, look at your lifestyle. Uh, it really can help mitigate a lot of the symptoms, even if it doesn't resolve all of them. It's, I think when I think of like things like endo, it's like, you have to have like a team, like a healthcare team, you know, it's like something with nutrition supporting Mm -hmm. gut health is huge. Usually some sort of pelvic floor therapist is really helpful. And then of course, like usually some sort of surgeon for a lot of women. Mm. and can you just go back because i just to touch on this is talk about like estrogen dominance and how women become estrogen dominance dominant and like progesterone and you know because estrogen's not bad it's just yeah not great when it's um there's too much of it and you know it's so can you talk a bit about that 
Yeah. So, and I think a lot of women assume that they have estrogen dominance, right? They assume that I have, I have all the symptoms of high estrogen, but your estrogen doesn't necessarily have to be high for you to have a lot of those symptoms. Like if you deal with uh, weight gain or difficulty losing weight, if you have a sluggish thyroid, estrogen can definitely impact that mm-hmm. acne, um, just like overall, like more fatigued and like mood changes. Those are kind of like your classic ones. This can appear even if progesterone production is low. So you could have low estrogen, but lower progesterone and still Mm. feel estrogen dominant. And that's what I see with most women when they come off the pill, like all their hormones are low, right? Because they haven't really been making any for however long they've been taking it. Um, But it's like this rebound of like estrogen dominance. And it's because you're not making enough progesterone for some women, if they're on the pill that obviously they weren't making any Um, for women that are ovulating and having regular cycles. If we're super stressed, we're, we're going to be using up a lot of that progesterone. Um, Mm. If you're have deficiencies, then maybe you're not eating enough or you're overtraining. Like there's so many ways that that can impact how much progesterone you're making. Some, Mm. some of them are directly like stress would be like a direct impact. Sometimes it's the sluggish thyroid. You know, we need enough thyroid hormone in order to ovulate and make a strong amount of progesterone. So I think that's probably a really hard thing to deal with is like when you are cycling, you know, you're ovulating, but your hormones are still out of balance. And it usually comes back to that piece of like fine tuning different things. What are your stressors in your life? Are you actually eating enough? Is your training supporting you or is it harming you sleep getting outside? Like all those like really important things. Um, but yeah, those are, those are probably like the most common imbalances. And then you can definitely have excess estrogen. I see plenty of very high estrogen levels Mm -hmm. and oftentimes we can relate that back to sometimes it's the healing journey. You know, when you gain Mm -hmm. that weight initially, um, some women do, some women don't, that can definitely impact estrogen levels because we do get estrogen from our fat tissue as well. Um, but sometimes it's just that history. Like you talked about drinking before that oh. raises estrogen significantly. Oh, I know. <laughs> and so many women, like, and I know, cause I was a huge drinker. Like I would yeah. drink, binge drink. And then I would, I remember at times I would drink every day and it's, I don't know what it's like in the States, but us, uh, sorry, Australia is like it's a big drinking culture, you know, like it's just, you go to a barbecue, everyone drinks. You know. I feel like that's how it is everywhere, honestly. Yeah, yeah, totally worldwide. And look, I still like to drink. And you know what? I say to Craig, I'm like, I, I love drinking. I just don't <laughs> do it anymore because I know how shit it is for me and how yeah. I just I feel shit. I have a shit sleep. You know, I feel crap the next day. Um, but I still have an occasional drink, like if for a birthday or we'll go out, I have a few cocktails, but it's yeah, infrequent now. Um sorry, keep going, keep going. No. <laughs> No, I, I think it's important to highlight that stuff and just how normalized it is. I will say like, uh, drinking, honestly, probably something that gets in the way for a lot of women that I see. Mm -hmm. And it's because I think it's so accepted. It's so expected socially. Um, I don't drink a lot. I have like a long history, weird history with alcohol, my my family and stuff. So I'm just like, nah, I'm just not gonna, you know, I'm just not gonna do it. Um, I'm just better off not. But when I, it's like, when I think about when I did, I mean, my periods were the worst that they're like heaviest, most painful, Mm. the only time in my life ever I've ever gotten a migraine, um, you know, like around those times. And then when I learned about how drinking impacts estrogen levels, I was like, oh, 
no. And I mean, I have a whole family history of breast cancer too. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, that's why I caught off the pill initially. Cause I did research. I found out that it can increase your risk. And I was like, why am I taking this? Like my doctor mm-hmm. knows I have this whole family history. This is insane. And then basically the same thing with alcohol. And I think a lot of women don't realize that. And they're like, Oh, I just have like a glass or two of wine a night. And I'm like, that will definitely impact. Cause it's like, it's your liver, right? It's going to impact literally everything else gets turned off and it's just processing alcohol. So mm-hmm. you wonder why you can't lose body fat. And it's like, even if it's one glass, like it can impact. Um, and then it's going to impact your sleep, your training the next day, your cravings, your mood, everything. So it really does trickle down. Um, and I do tend to see high estrogen in women that if they have a history of taking hormonal birth control, it can take a while. Or I, I had the copper ID for seven years and I'll tell you what, like recovering from that, my hormones was harder than the pill and it's not hormonal. So I just want to say something quickly about the drinking before I'll get you to talk about the IUDs. Um, and look, I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but, and this is my own experience and too, with the women in our program is that I just had to go, like I got to the point where I was like, I had to just go, I'm not drinking for this period of time. Like I had to prove to myself that I could go out without alcohol. I could, because it's like a slippery slope, you know, like you let it come back in and then it creeps back in. And then I got to the point where I was like, oh, I actually feel so much better. And then then I, I finally just got over that hump and I was like, okay, cool. I can go out without drinking. You know, I do feel so much better. And then when I do drink again, like I enjoy it, but I do it infrequently because I'm like, I just don't want to feel shit. And I think it, I find for a lot of women, when they take that break, you have to take a full break though. Like it can't just be like Monday through Friday. I'm not going to drink. Like you need to really take 30 days and you know how they do all those like dry January and sober October and stuff like that. Oh, I have a lot of people that'll do those types of things. And they're like, wow, I have really made them reassess their relationship with alcohol. Um, I think it points out. Like, I, I think drinking when you're at like a fun event and doing, you know, like I think of like weddings or like a, yeah. a celebration is different, but it's like feeling the need to come home and drink because you're stressed out. Like that's a yeah. lack of a coping mechanism, totally. right? So <laughs> yeah. it's different. Yeah. And you just, you know, I think you've really got to be honest with yourself. Yeah. Like you've got to have that. It's hard. It's so hard. That's why I just don't do it. I'm just like, this is just not for me. <laughs> yeah. Like one of our coaches, Mel, um, she got a pretty inspiring story actually. And she was like drug addict, drink, like so addicted to booze, like trying to kill herself, husband committed oh suicide. And now she just never drinks, never drinks. She's like, yo, I just can't go back to that. You know, it's like, I can't just have one. So, you know, she just never drinks. And again, I'm not saying to people that they should never drink, but I think again, be honest with yourself. If you're, using it to cope if you're using it to like not deal with feelings and which I used to do all the time yeah it was just easier I know and it's one of those things where like I feel like I'm jealous of people that can just do it sometimes I'm like I wish (laughs) that I could do that I just like and especially now it's like I'm gonna have a kid and I just think about my childhood and I'm like the idea completely turns me off. Maybe it won't one day, like maybe mm-hmm. I'll eventually have a better relationship with it, but it, it's hard to identify that. And mm-hmm. like, for me, it's like, I was embarrassed for a long time about it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is like embarrassing that I like always want to drink, you know? Um, but it's, it's just a reality. It's not a big deal. I think it's definitely genetic and mm-hmm. it, I was just happy that I took the time to recognize it. And it's like, you just have to talk about it. Cause if you don't, then you don't oh. say anything and people expect you to drink Yeah, and you just, it's like a vicious cycle. 
And you know what? Like people go, and I feel like I use this as a bit of an excuse. I was like, oh, but I worry what people think. They don't really give a fuck about whether yeah. you <laughs> They just care whether they can drink. So I think people use that as, a, as an excuse, you know, like you've got to just go, I'm just not like my friends don't care. Yeah. If I don't drink sometimes with them, you know, um, but sometimes I do drink. You know, again, I just, I'm honest, I love alcohol. I'd, I'd love to go get shit faced. Sometimes, like on the week, it was great. Like, with, with this awesome new house, and it has this amazing, like, three levels and this beautiful deck upstairs, and you look out nice. over the surface. I think, fuck, it'd be so nice to just sit up here and smash some champagne, you know, just sit up. But on the, <laughs> uh, the other day, when we moved in, we bought a bottle of champagne, and I had like two glasses, and then I was just like, oh, I just can't drink anymore, and just threw the whole the bottle out, and then I just felt rubbish the next well, day. When you get like, more in tune with your body, you notice it. Because think, yeah. think about it. You were, it's like so many women, like you, your story, it sounds like you were, you were on the pill. You were like in cycles of like dieting and binging, same Drug thing alcohol. with alcohol. <laughs> so it's like, of course you didn't notice, you know? No, I, used, I just felt so rubbish all the time. I know, I know exactly what you mean, because you just get used to feeling shit and you're like that's the norm like my parents recently because both their parents died last year last year last year and it was it was like six drawn out like six to eight months you know and it was obviously a stressful time and they always they love they love wine like they love drinking and they just got in this shit habit of drinking and like they're just eating crap and like they're finally both and their blood pressure so high and they went to the doctor and you know like they listen to the doctor yeah listen to the and anyway, he's pre-put mum on blood pressure medication. I was just like, oh, I said to mum, but, you know, she won't listen. But, well, she does listen. So I said to her, because he's like, oh, no, you just have to be on it for a month and then you need to try and fix your it. And I said, look, here's fucking Kate's book. Go and read it. I said, I'll help you, but I'll only help you if you do. I said, don't listen to dad because they think that they need to, like, they have to lose weight as well. He's told me. Yeah. Lose, and they do need to lose weight. They are overweight. Um, but they're just overweight because they just eat shit and they drink alcohol. Not all the time. Yeah. But they were drinking every single day. And yeah. mum, you know, like mum started to get on the bandwagon and like gave her Kate's book and I'm like, I've got her on the collagen, the saturated collagen. She has that She has a liver tablet, so that's good. Love and it. She's good. She eats, she likes eggs and milks. So I'm like, do this. And I gave her the book. I said, when you get back from holidays, I'll sit down and show you how you can do like some macro tracking because I, she's got this little book that does the calories. And I'm like, how many calories have you eaten today? This is dinner, 600. Oh, we've got to eat 1,200. I said, mum, this is why this is not sustainable because you've done this yeah. before. And I'm like, because dad's like, oh, it's got to be sustainable. I'm like, well, fucking eating 1,200 calories isn't sustainable, dad. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I'm like, look, just read the book, do this, come back. And she's really good. She, like if, if she says she's going to do something, she'll, I said, don't listen to dad. I said, don't eat 1,200 calories. You'll never be able to stick to it. I said, look, just eat, like trying to eat at least, like eat 1,800 calories, just do that. And I said, walk every day, like start with half an hour walking and build up from there. So I've got her on doing that for like six weeks until she gets back. So, yeah, it's just so funny. But anyway. Oh, like, I can't wait to see how yeah. she does. I'm like so curious. It's going to be my project, you know, like, and she's, it's been, I think, about like three or four weeks since she, like they stopped the drinking and she started making these diet changes and she went back to the doctor and he's like, Oh, your blood pressure's back to normal. You know, whatever you're doing. Of course, doing <laughs> of course. And he probably have a heart attack if he knew she was like eating dairy and eggs oh, like, you know? <laughs> and fruit. Oh, and you know, works. yeah, it's so funny. Anyway, sorry, we got off a bit about topic with the alcohol. Yeah, I, know, I just like to talk about that because I feel like so many women, because I was the same. I was just, and I totally understand. And it is, it is hard when you're using it as a coping mechanism and you've done it for many years, but God, you feel good. 
when you have some time off and you eat this way and you eat regularly and you train, like you just feel so good. And, and I was, like, it's you, you almost don't realize I'm like, I was depressed. Like when yes. I was drinking for sure. I mean, it's, it's a depressant, so it makes sense. But I mean, I was definitely depressed, but it's and like, that's why you continuously want it, you know? Totally. Totally. It's like just ladies and you got to go cold turkey. I reckon you can do it. If I can do it, the drug addict, <laughs> addictive personality, super addictive personality. And you can do it too. Um, so, all right, let's, Oh, you know, what's a really good book actually before we finish on the alcohol is, um, Oh God, I recommend it to women in our programs, in our course. Sober curious. No. Oh, you know, when it's on the tip of your tongue and you can't remember, it's, pop, it's in my book thing up there somewhere. Um, Oh, if I think about it, I'll, I'll think I'll, okay. put, I'll put in the show notes for women and lots of women read and they're like, oh, that's the best. I wonder what it is. Oh, God, it's really annoying, is it? It's got, it's in my, it's in my, oh, it's just this awesome chick and she talks, she's Australian. Um, okay. Let me just Google it now because it's going to annoy me. <laughs> then everyone won't have to wait. This is good. <laughs> Uh, the Naked Mind. The naked okay, mind. yes, yes. Have you read that? Annie Grace, that's it. Yes. Yeah, yes. Really good. If you're struggling with booze, read it. Yep. It's a. It's yeah. like a, you know, it's an eye open. It like really yeah. makes you reassess. Like, yeah, you're but like, it's good. It's good. I, it's, I feel like it's good to do you, that. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Sober Curious is a good one too. And it's, mm. it's so not, I think she's in, I think she's Australian too. Oh, a good one. The woman that wrote that one, but um, it's kind of like sh- it's a lot of her sharing her story, but it's also has you look at your relationship with it, and it's just mm-hmm. it's not about being fully sober. It's just about getting curious of mm-hmm. you know because it's, it's like sometimes not. I think that's what's so hard. If you are not like full on alcoholic, it's really hard to like go cold Turkey and never have it, you know? So mm-hmm. I feel like the, all those, it's not the people, yes, obviously people with alcoholism are going to struggle with alcohol, but it's when you're in that in between, mm. right. You're, you're kind of like, you're, I'm definitely not an alcoholic, but I'm definitely, I definitely don't have a healthy relationship with alcohol. Mm. Um, but yeah, I see that hold a lot of women back and it definitely contributes to estrogen dominance for people. And it can be hard to, recognize that when you do lab testing, you can't ignore it. <laughs> but, um, even then I've seen some women not want to change their habits. Oh, all the time. But sometimes I think you just got to go on the journey and sometimes it takes, you need to hit rock bottom, whatever that yeah. looks like for women out there. And then you sort of have to, you know, I always, Craig always says, just, people go on their journey. You've been on your own journey. Like think about it. Look, and I've done a lot yeah. of, I've taken a lot of drugs and done, bad shit like you know party three four days straight like speed oh my gosh smoked ice like just back at random guys houses you know could have been raped just bad you know like bad behavior really lots of booze you know just yeah anyway got lots of stories so I do I do (laughs) I was gonna say I'm sure you have a lot of crazy stories (laughs) I'm sure lots of women do you know and oh yeah I guess if if I I had to I'm glad nothing really serious happened to me but go on that journey to get to where I am so I I I understand so let's talk about now IUDs yeah marina the copper IUD what's because you know a lot of women like yeah but I'm because you can still you still ovulate hey yeah with so the marina is hormonal Mm -hmm. 
So Mm. it's, it's still putting hormones in. It is a synthetic progesterone only. Um, when it comes to things like the mini pill, the Mirena, and they use synthetic progestins. Mm. One thing I do want to note, and a lot of women, they have really bad reactions to those. It's because that progestin acts more like a, an androgen, like a male hormone. Mm. So some women will take it and they're like, Oh, I got acne. My symptoms got worse. That's typically why. Um, Mm. but the Mirena IUD, it's a small amount of hormones. And after a year, about 80% of women that take it will ovulate the majority of the time. So it's better. It's, it's better because you, you get that ovulation in, right. Mm-hmm. Um, my main concern with Marina is some women don't ovulate, but then also, uh, a lot of women don't get their, don't get any period. Mm-hmm. So they don't bleed at all. And then of course that's a concern because that can lead to that iron overload. You know, as women, we absorb a lot more iron than men. And so we want to have that bleed every month. Um, so that's, it's better. I would say like definitely better than hormonal birth control and then the copper IUD. So this is the one where people are like, it's non-hormonal, right? It doesn't have any hormones in it. It's copper based. The interesting thing with the copper IUD is like, we don't even really fully know why it works. Um, it was actually the first IUD ever made a very long time ago. Uh, obviously it's a lot different now than it used to be, but it's got, it's like a little T and it has copper coils on it. The copper is thought to be like a spermicide, like it kills sperm. Um, but the, what we've come to learn about the copper ID is it also creates like a low grade inflammation. And that's why some women, can get a lot like really painful periods with it. Um, some women get like pelvic infections. It's, it's like not a joke, you know, like it's definitely serious. Um, it is, I think copper ID has the highest effective rate for preventing pregnancy. Um, but really that big concern is like you're putting copper in your body. So initially your copper goes up on your blood work and then it goes back down because you store it in your tissues. Um, for me, I stored it for so, so long. I had it for seven years. I felt okay. Like I always had really painful periods. So when I got the copper ID, I was like, what's new, you know, like I, they already hurt. So, um, and I needed a form of birth control that I would ovulate on. I was like, I just don't want to take the hormones anymore. This family history of breast cancer, blah, blah. Um, so I was taking, I had the copper ID for a while, but at towards the end, like after like, I would say like five years, I started to get like you know, like my breasts were tender all the time and like my periods got even more painful and my acne got worse. And I'm like, this is weird. And I kept thinking it was something else. Cause you know, everyone, you know, my doctor's like, that's not possible. The copper does not affect you. Blah, blah, blah. It doesn't cause inflammation. Even though I was reading an article online that says it does. And eventually I got it out after seven years. And I mean, it took me like three to four years to get rid of all the excess estrogen. Cause it, you know, it's stored in your body and then it's, you know, your body is stressed out, um, trying to like bounce back from it. So it was, it's like some women, I, they're like, it works for me. And I'm like, that's great. But I just like knew it was not the best option. I just wish I knew it sooner. I mean, you're like anything that is interfering with your own natural hormones. Like it's just, I think, and I know thinking back, I just, I didn't want to take the time. I didn't yeah. want to take the time to learn more and take the ownership. And, you know, obviously it's easier just to have this thing in your body and not have to worry about your period. It's just- I think too, 
the it's creepy having a foreign object in mm-hmm. right like like the the IUDs the implants like a lot of women they have such a poor reaction to it because it's like similar with breast implants right mm-hmm. didn't you go through a whole journey with that yeah I had yeah so I got them in after I got divorced because I was just you know thinking I'll just keep a man will love me if I have big boobs. You know, I feel yeah. better about myself if I have, have I have big boobs and had them in for seven years. And then I was just like, oh, you just go. I didn't, I didn't have any, like, you know, people say they get the breast implant illness. Illness, yeah. You know, I didn't have any symptoms, but I was just like, like it can't be good, Kitty, to have silicon implants in your body. Yeah. And I also just, you know, like I did a lot of dumb shit too. Like I've got Botox and fillers, like, you know, it's be over two years ago now. Um, and I just was like, I don't know. I just have this thing about trying to lead by example, you know, like you're trying to help women have a healthier body and a better relationship with their body. And here's you with pumping your face full of fucking Botox, getting your lips done, got these fake body tits, you know? (laughs) So I don't know. I think I maybe had like a midlife crisis or something. It was like, it was like 39, but I just did the opposite, you know? So stop dyeing my hair got the fake boobs out. I stopped getting Botox and fillers like over two years ago. And I'm not judging anyone for getting them. I just yeah. like, well, how can you also sell skincare? You know, yeah. you promote this amazing natural skincare with no shit in it and, you know, and that you're pumping your face full of Botox. Like- I'll tell you what, though, a lot of people don't care. So I think it's really cool that, one, you told people, because a lot of people lie about it, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people say, oh, I don't have anything done. No, these are my mm-hmm. real boobs. Like, mm-hmm. and it, it's, you know, they'll deny it forever. So, I mean, I just, I remember, I remember following you when you were going through all that. I was like, that is really cool. Cause like, I mean, it's, it's hard to do. It's hard to be like that honest. And I mean, especially, I think women, you know, we're not allowed to age. So it's like anytime, like no signs of aging can ever exist, or it's like, you're no longer important and valid and beautiful. So I feel like, I don't know. I, I feel like that's really cool. Like, I don't, it's not as big of a deal, but like, I never use filters ever. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think if I don't look good that day, that's fine. Everyone will survive. And they'll also know that like, I'm a normal person, you know, like, I just think it's like, there's so much of this, like, like you feeling like you had to do that. Like, that's a big deal. You altered your body. Like you had major surgery because you wanted to look a certain way. And it's like, I just, the filters, like editing photos, like all that stuff, I feel like is so dangerous online now. And women have such a distorted view of what a healthy, like, you know, normal age, whatever age you are, woman looks like. And Mm. then you feel bad about yourself. And then it's really hard to make like positive choices for yourself. Yeah, totally. And look, I have nothing, you know, because I think it's still less than like, you know, like today I put some makeup on, my hair is actually dirty, but people can't do that. (laughs) Um, you know, just because it feels nice to, you know, yeah. you hair or, you know, like I um really like to get my eyebrows tattooed. I haven't had them done for uh, over 12 months now, but I just like that, you know, yeah. and it's nice to, I get my nails painted, you know, it's nice to do some things to make yourself feel nice. And I'm not saying women shouldn't dye their hair, but I agree with you. It's like, how far does it go? Like, you know, how, you know, and Emma and I talk about it. She's like, you know, Kitty, you're 40 you meant to have some lines. It's okay to have some. Yeah. Lines. And look, I, I, I'm, I'll be honest with people. I still like look on Instagram and see these women with their beautiful light. You know, they've got no lines around their eyes. And obviously when I go like that, you got lines. I mean, my skin's pretty good. Like, you, you know. You are a very beautiful person, Kitty. Oh. So I, I guarantee you that women go. Well, let me tell you, if I took my Instagram. shirt off and showed you my saggy kits now, the other day I was like, <laughs> and again, I'm, I'll just, I'm just honest. And like Craig, like he loves big boobs. 
and I'll probably say this and people will think badly of him, but not badly of him, but, you know, like he just loves big boobs and he loved my big boobs. But he says to, you know, now he's like, I still love you and think you're beautiful and attractive. Doesn't mean I can't still love big boobs. Um, and that's what I love about we have a really good yeah. relationship. And I'll stand there and like, like you can't see, but because I've had these huge tits, like it's just like this sag. They're like yeah. skinny. So if, when I go like this and pull them up, I'm like, oh, this is what they would have looked like when they were 20 and I let them go and it's just like this. And we have this joke about it and I still look at I still will sometimes look at them and think, oh, like I wish they just were fuller and sadder. But I just know that I did the right thing and I'm really trying to like love my body, you know, how it is. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. I just wanted to quickly jump in and talk more about the Saturate Oyster Capsules, which we should be releasing in the next few weeks. We were supposed to release them in December, but due to COVID and all the issues that it's caused, it just put us back uh, about a month. But we've definitely confirmed that they are scheduled in for production and should be ready to sell around the 20th of January, which is really exciting. So one of the reasons why we recommend that our clients eat oysters and why we eat them ourselves is because of the abundant amount of zinc they contain. Now, zinc is antiviral. It supports vitamin A usage, which is critical for hormone production and hydrochloric acid production. It also aids in skin health, and it's very important in sexual health and fertility. So taking zinc in a whole food form, such as oysters, is much better to taking, or much better than, I should say, than taking zinc alone, because it can quickly create a copper deficiency. So oysters contain a good amount of iron, but most importantly, they also contain a lot of bioavailable copper which is protective against iron excess so oysters also contain selenium which is protective against uh, other things including the damage that pufa does and they also contain b12 and other b vitamins manganese iodine and vitamin d so next to liver oysters are such an incredible um, and natural like multivitamin mineral food supplement So the Saturated Pure Oyster Capsules will honestly be better than anything we could find on the market. There'll be 100% oyster meat, no fillers, no additives, and we've freeze-dried them for the least nutrient loss. So they're 100% Australian oysters, and we've sourced them from the pristine um, Tasmanian waters. And did you know that a lot of the Australian New Zealand brands actually source their oyster meat from Asia? So this is one of the reasons why it took us so long to source it because we're actually purchasing the oyster meat direct from Tasmania and we're freeze drying it ourselves. So if you go to our website, www.saturay.com.au, you can get on our mailing list to be notified of when we release these or follow us on Instagram because we'll post there as well. So let's get back to the podcast. Rather than trying to, but doesn't still mean that I don't think about it. Like, and I still yeah. on Instagram with their beautiful big lips and their flawless skin and think, oh, that looks so nice. I'd love to get Botox again, but I just couldn't do it because I've just done so much bad shit. And I'm just like, oh, you've just got to, you, I don't know. I've got this thing about, I just need to try and be a better role model. Like, mm-hmm. You know, because why would, like, we're trying to promote metabolic health and be healthy. Like, you can't, I don't think there's anyone that could say that having Botox is healthy. I know. Isn't it, like, formaldehyde or something? (laughs) I did a really good podcast with Kate on it because Kate Deering had a really, and I don't want anyone to think that I'm judging them who's got Botox, and I'm not. Like, it's totally your choice. Yeah. 
you know, but I was just like, oh, you just can't do it. You can't promote this skincare and be having heaps of um, Botox. And I look at, you know, like I'm not going to name the name of this lady. Yeah. She follows a certain lifestyle and she get. but what I like about it though, actually, she's really open and honest about the Botox and the fillers. Yeah. But you look at her before and she just looks so aged. And I remember her posting this thing of her hand and she's like, I've got these treatments on my hand. And I looked at her hands like, it's like it's nine years old. I'm like, how can your lifestyle and the diet that you promote, the nutrition be so healthy if you're aging so rapidly? Yeah. You know? I think it's different too, though. Your situation is different because you're being very honest and upfront and like you are looking, you're like, how can I be a better role model to like inspire these women to like truly love themselves and not feel like they have to alter the way they look. And not everyone is doing that. You know, I mean, I think it's great that that other woman is at least telling people, which is good. Yeah. Really good. Cause when they're not, I'm just like, this is, and when people, you know, like they'll like say stuff, I'm like, they've like after, you know, celebrities, after they have a baby, I'm like, they had a C-section and they literally get a tummy tuck right then. Yeah. So it's like, you have to remember all this stuff and, but it's hard. It's so hard. Everything is visual. It's online. We're scrolling all day. Like yeah. it can be really difficult. And I don't look, I don't know. Like I'm also not totally, I'm just trying to think about how to articulate this, but like, you know, I would be lying if I said I didn't like how strength training made my body look. Yeah. I like to be strong. I like to, you know, like hold a certain level of body fat, but I've done it in a healthy way. And I don't think there's anything wrong with trying, you know, like to change your body composition as long as you're doing it. In it. I think there's a balance. Yes. Would you agree? Like there's a balance. It's like, it's, it's like, are you, are you willing to compromise your health yes. in order to yeah. achieve a certain aesthetic? Yeah. Do I don't necessarily, I don't think that's healthy because then you're on this, Agree. Like just Agreed. awful, like circle of just going back and forth between like, then you're symptomatic again and you have all these other health issues mm. pop up and then you gain the weight back. It's not worth it. No. But I do think I have plenty of women that I work with that they get to a point where they have reduced their stress a ton. They're very responsible with their mm. food. And I think the biggest thing when it comes to weight loss, and I'd be curious if your thoughts on this is like, you have to be very responsible right? Like you can't, like nothing can slide. Like you have to be really on top of your sleep. You have to make sure you're eating enough. Like you can't like be like skipping meals. And it's like, it's hard. It's hard because you have to really have it together, but it's not impossible. I totally agree. And you have to be consistent and you have to be consistent for a long period of time. Like I look at, you know, some of the other women who are in really good shape in out in the prep, like Libby, Westcombe, Amy, um, Kate Bow, like, you know, we, we've all, you, you have to, it really is that diligent, being diligent. You know, I prep my food every week. I eat very consistently. I train consistently. You know, we go to, like, I'm real anal about going to bed. Like, I'm like, Craig, 8 o'clock, we're getting ready. For yeah. <laughs> you, know, like, you know, we get sun every, you're right, you have to, if you want to look good and do it in a healthy way, you have to be anal, like I think like really diligent you're right with all of those things because it's when you skip meals and you eat low calories and then you train too much yeah you lose weight you might look good for a while but you just end up fucking yourself because I've done it a million times and you're right it's it's you have to be focused yeah and it it is hard and I think sometimes it's you have to earn it 
right? You have to earn the right to lose body fat in a healthy way. And, you know, I I know for some women, that's not even really losing that much weight. It's just recomposition. Um, For some women, it is losing a significant amount of weight and it's, but it is, I'm like, it's, it's serious. Like whenever I get clients that are kind of ready for that next step, we decide if they're ready based on like, what are your stress levels? Like, what are you willing Mm -hmm. to prioritize? Mm -hmm. And a lot of times if they're not really willing to put a lot of those things in place, I'm like, it's probably not your season, you know, like probably just not it right now. Just yeah. be how you are. Cause I think that's the other thing too. Like I find with, we, I know we're going a bit off track here, but sometimes I mean, in our program is you don't realize what it actually takes to build, like there's levels, you know, physique, yeah. I think like to get to here, you, like I look at the women in our program who've had like ridiculous transformations where they've lost like 10, 20, 30 kilos, but also put on a lot of muscle. Like they are religious with their tracking. They love yeah. their lifestyle. They train, they prioritize sleep. Like, but it's, they look like they look because of all the small things they do so consistently. But I think then they really enjoy the lifestyle. I think mm-hmm. you've got to enjoy that sort of lifestyle. Cause if you don't, then you're just going to always feel like you're missing out on something. But I, you know, yes. I think it's just, or just be happy. Like I don't think yeah. you're necessarily also going to be happy if you're say sitting at 20% body fat or 22, whatever. Like if you yeah. necessarily being leaner isn't going to make you happy as well. Like I think, and sometimes women come to our program, they go, oh, I didn't realize what it actually takes to achieve that. I don't want to do it. Yeah. And like, That's good. I'm That's just okay. going to be happy with just training three days a week, doing my walk, sitting at a healthy body fat range, but I'm not going to, I don't really care about getting a bit leaner and putting on a lot yes. of muscle. And I'm like, that's good. Yeah. And I, I think it's important and powerful to realize that because then you're not like, you know, I feel like a lot of women just beat themselves up because yes. they're like, why can't I achieve this? And it's like, maybe it's just not the best time in your life right now to go for this. Cause maybe you, like, maybe you have young kids, maybe your yes. job is like really demanding yeah. a lot of you and it's just not realistic right now. It is important. And it doesn't mean that you can't make those smaller changes. That's usually where I'm like, okay, let's start with the basics then, yeah. you know, maybe you, yeah. maybe you just be a little bit more consistent with your training or make one slight change with that. And like slowly add on those habits one by one. And yeah, will it maybe take them way longer for sure, but it's a way more sustainable approach based on what they currently have going on. I agree. And slow fat loss is so much more, it takes longer, but it's, it's easier to sustain. And then you're in those habits, like you're in it and you're doing it and it's your norm. And I mean, Craig's the same. Like if, if clients ever, they decide to do a fat loss phase, he's like, okay, what's your stress levels like, you know, if it's yeah. time, no way you can't do it. Like even him, he's, he's always working with someone. He's been working with this guy. Um, Craig's actually had quite a lot. He had this hip, he had hip surgery a while back and he ha- he got sick when we were in the gym, when we owned our gym, he had this parasite. And um, I think he's just stressed, you know, like we were yeah. hours building our business. And I remember times he'd be like dizzy and he couldn't work. And like, it was, it took him a while. He's better now. Um, but recently this new coach, they, they, they're dieting, he's in a fat loss phase and they're getting him down to a certain body fat and then they're going to do a reverse and build him up. I yeah. don't know what they're doing, but anyway, <laughs> we've d- did our challenge. And when we do our challenge, it's obviously this massive extra workload for four weeks. And he was just like to the guy, I can't be in this calorie deficit now because it's like the workload's high. I need to think more. It's yep. bigger, it's more stressful. So it's like, I'm just going to eat back up at maintenance for four weeks. And then when the challenge was over, he started again. And again, his weight started dropping, obviously, because it it's easier. The stress is gone. Yeah. 
you know, he's not working late all the time. So, yeah, I think you're right. Women really need to, you know, doesn't mean I also think, though, that you just go the other way and go, fuck it. Yes, 100%. I'm just going to eat shit and drink wine. It's like just do the basics and eat enough to maintain your weight. And that alone is going to make a difference anyway. Uh, and sometimes eventually that leads to weight loss for people. Like yeah, because they build more muscle and they get more consistent or they create a calorie deficit by walking more. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Um, sorry, we've got a bit off track. Now. I don't even know how we <laughs> got on that topic, but I feel like it was a great little side rant. I think so too, because you know what I, and again, I'm always really honest, is like women, they want to look better. They all want to look better, but they want to do it in a healthy way. And, you know, they want to obviously sleep better. But even I find with women in our program, if they've done some good work to improve their, you know, metabolic markers, but they still haven't lost weight, like they'll have these meltdowns. Oh, I'm, I'm feeling better, but they forget about all the good stuff they've done and they just want to lose weight. So I get it, you know, yeah. we're so focused on the outside. So I think you've just... You know, it does take that discipline, but it's discipline in not doing dumb shit, like discipline, not discipline in 1200 calories. It's discipline in eating whatever the calories you're eating and prepping your meals and eating every three to four hours and doing your training doing stuff and- for yourself. And I, a lot of women have a hard time doing that. You mm-hmm. know, like they have a hard time stopping and doing things for yourself. I feel like one of the reasons um, that I get a lot, and I don't know if you hear this, if you ever bring up like fam for people, but when I'm like, you know, there are other options for birth control, like fertility awareness method works. And it's, Mm. it's, the rules are slightly different if we're using it for birth control or conception. And I feel like people don't know that. Mm. Like they, I, when I did a whole series on it, not that long ago on Instagram, I had women saying, well, all the women that I know that use fertility awareness have a bunch of kids. So it makes me nervous to do it because they're afraid it's not going to work. I'm like, I totally get it. That's why I got the copper ID. Cause I was scared. Mm-hmm. I was only 20. So I feel like, you know, I was in college. I'm like, I can't get pregnant right now. Um, and so I was like, I'm just going to use the copper ID. Cause I didn't trust myself, which is very sad. When you think back about it, if we were only taught at a younger age, what it means. I didn't even know what ovulation was. It's ridiculous, but I really didn't. I didn't know that the pill was stopping my ovulation. When I figured it out, I was like, I got to get off this thing. And then I thought that the copper ID was like a better choice. Um, but it, it, for me, it wasn't, but it's, it's like a lot of women don't trust themselves to learn about their bodies because we're so disconnected from a young age. Like we don't really learn about that kind of stuff. And then, you know, when I think about like, having all those good habits and doing things for yourself. It's like coming off of birth control and tracking your fertile signs to me is doing a really positive thing for yourself and allowing you to have more information about your body. Um, I mean, even just think about as you go through different seasons of your life, like if you're transitioning, like you're moving lots of stress, vacation, those things are all going to change your cycle. And you can see that when you're tracking, when Mm -hmm. you, when you're postpartum, if you have a baby, obviously that's going to change your hormones. When you move through perimenopause and menopause, Mm -hmm. it's like having all that information, it really is helpful. And it is definitely a thing you're doing for yourself. But I just think about like, whenever I bring these kinds of things up, whenever we talk about like going to bed early, eating, uh, getting women to eat more frequently is hard. Like I don't have time to eat. I'm like, if you don't have time to eat enough food to fuel your body, like there's a bigger issue <laughs> here. Right. So it's, it's like, that's kind of how I look at like famine stuff for a lot of people is they don't want to take the time, even though it's a huge gift they could be giving themselves. Yeah, I think it's like talking back to Carol, the lady I told you about, we did a podcast on women and saying no. 
and learning how to say no. And I think a lot of women, especially with kids, they just feel everyone else's cup up before their own and they, um, you know, can't say no or they don't want to say no and they don't prioritise themselves. But I think, you know, you can sometimes, like you say, you've got to hit that rock bottom and you're like, okay, I can say no to some stuff. I have, I do have to prioritise and, and you know, maybe I can't do this anymore. Yeah. You know, like I think that's what it takes or say no to going out with friends or, you know, I mean, fuck, how much time do we waste on social media? Or TV. Oh, TV. I mean, on your phones, on TV, it's like I have like pretty strict rules around my phone during the day. Mm. Otherwise, I just don't think I would get anything done. It's so um, easy to get on Instagram, you like scroll, scroll, scroll. You're like, fuck, oh, half an hour. It's like 30 yeah. minutes. Where did the yeah. time go? You know, like it's, it's, and it's meant to be that way. It's like a very addictive That's app. So, so it, it's, if you can have those boundaries and like really, like when I look at like, eating, like taking breaks, to eat. I'm like, this is something I'm doing for me. I don't have to do this. This is for me. You know, it's like going to bed early. That's like a treat for myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm like a crazy, like Google calendar person and everything is like color coordinated. Um, and all the things like working out meals, like all that kind of stuff. If I go to like the chiropractor or something, it's all in a specific color, which means yeah. it's like self-care. And when I don't have a lot of, it's purple. So when I don't have a lot of purple on my calendar for the week, I'm like, this is not going to be a good week. (laughs) So it's, we have to prioritize that stuff for ourselves. Yeah. And once you start to do it, you're like, oh, this just becomes easier. I think, you know, recently Craig and I, cause Craig was like one day turning around. like, I just feel like you're not present with me on the weekends. You're always on social media, posting, replying to messages. And you know, when someone says something to you and you're like, you feel it in your chest. Yeah. And you're like, oh, you just want to argue with them, but you know that they're right. Yeah. So we've been after lunchtime on a Saturday, we've like no no Facebook, no Instagram, no social media. And we've been doing that since oh, we moved into the house, I think. So I don't know how long, six weeks or whatever. It's been actually really good. And I, did I was going to say, week. how is it? It's been really good. I did a whole week off social media when we had our, when we moved house. Initially it was hard because it's, it's a bit addictive, you know? Yeah. Um, but then I was like, oh, this is really good. And he's like, you know, I'm just really good kid. I really feel like we're more connected. And yeah, so um, yeah, it's good. But, you know, you feel like, oh, I can't do it. Oh, it's, it's so hard. Or like, especially if you have a business on there, like, and or even just a community of people that you're supporting, it's really hard because you want to, you know, it's, I don't, I really don't use social media. I don't have like a personal account and Mm. I'm really, really bad at knowing what's going on. (laughs) So like I, cause when I go on, I'm like responding to comments, responding to DMs. So I don't really get too lost in it, but I will get lost in like replying to people, Mm. which is probably not great. Um, but it's, you know, it's, I enjoy it. It's, it's nice to connect with people, but it, it is hard. And it is a great tool and a gift. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a, it's has it like the yin and the yang, right? Like it's, you know, yeah. you've got to find that balance. Um, but yeah, I think so many of us, like if we actually looked at our social media time, that's time you could get back. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's so bad. Or even just like, you know, like YouTube and stuff or listening to podcasts. I mm-hmm. found like, I always had to be listening to something mm-hmm. for like a really long time. And it, the habit first started when my husband deployed a couple of years ago, he was gone for nine months and I hated how quiet it was all the time in the house. So I'd always have something going so that I wouldn't like, you know, get depressed and start thinking yeah. about him being gone. And ever since then, 
it was the hardest habit to break. I I had no idea what I was doing to myself. I couldn't believe it. It was like, I became addicted to that stimulation of always needing a distraction. Even when he came home, like I still always wanted something on. And I was never like that before. And I was like, this is very unhealthy. Like I felt more stressed, you know, like your brain never gets a break. It was social media is wild. It's amazing. But whenever I take time off, like I usually take the weekends off Mm. and I it's, it's always, it's always amazing. And it's funny. Cause my husband's always on his phone. I'm like, you don't even have a business online. I'm like, put your phone away, like get off your phone, but he can't use it when he's at work. Cause they're oh, not allowed okay. to have cell phones there. Yeah, so he's yeah, like, I yeah. can't use it all day. I'm like, I don't care. Like we need to hang out. So I, I feel, I feel Craig on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's like, I'm really proud of you. Good he said, but I knew you could do it. Cause he's like, when you actually decide you want to do something, you, you do it. You just yeah. know, like, you know, and he's like, you, I could see that you took the feedback on board and you, you know, like you did it. So that was really good. Um, what about actually, so we've talked about the IUD, we're just going back and forth, back and forth. Um, the implant on, so the bar and the depression. The implant. So, yeah. So same, same thing as the pill. So yeah, I, that one is, I believe that one is more estrogen based. Mm. Um, and it's, it will suppress ovulation. Uh, I found arm implants. Oh no, actually arm implants are progestin only the depo vera shot. Mm. That one is a really high dose of progestin. So it's, I don't know if you've had a lot of people get the shot before, but I've seen the craziest symptoms from that. Like migraines, extreme weight gain, like immediately like wow. 30 pounds kind of waking wow. immediately. Um, and like, yeah, the arm implants, those also, those like thin are uterine lining so that it makes implantation pretty much impossible. So that's like the main way that it's preventing pregnancy, but it's, it's interesting. It's like the mini pill doesn't directly suppress ovulation, but because of how it impacts all the other systems in our body, eventually it does. So mm-hmm. some of them have like multiple ways, the regular pill and like, um, estrogen based, uh, hormonal birth control forms, those are going to directly suppress ovulation. Um, and then the Mirena, I would say like that IUD is probably like the least harmful because you do ovulate about 80% of the time after a year, but a lot of people have bad reactions to that. So mm-hmm. it's tricky. I don't ever want to demonize birth control because I mean, I used it and it worked for me. You know, I waited till I was 31 to get pregnant. It worked out. Um, but it's, I just wish that women were educated on how to track their cycle, how to identify, Hey, when can I get pregnant? Because mm-hmm. if we were one, it would, we'd probably understand a lot more of our health issues, right? You might be able to see like, Oh, I, you know, my, my body temperature is really consistently low. I'm going to take a look at my thyroid and see what's going on. Like so many little things that we don't get those pieces of the puzzle. Cause we're always relying on doctors to help us. And sometimes they're not going to help us get to the root. Um, if they just knew that, I feel like it wouldn't be this whole big thing where, I mean, some women get so upset when I talk about birth control, but I'm like, I'm not telling you what to do. You can do what you want with the information. I know that it's frustrating, but I feel like we have to take that power back. Sorry, you know, like little puppy. Hang on. <laughs> you have a puppy? Yeah. His name's Henry. He's a little mini. Oh my gosh. Dog. Oh, he's so gorgeous. Eh? He's so cute. So adorable. Just love you, buddy. Hey. Oh, so he's really a puppy. Yeah, he's so cute. Except when he's waking me up at night. He's oh getting my better. Gosh. I'm trying to crate train him to sleep. Like he sleeps in the crate and Craig's been sleeping in the spare room. So it's like a real oh. baby, you know, doing the co-sleeping. Oh my <laughs> gosh. That's so funny. And Craig, Does your other dog sleep in the bed? 
No, no, he sleeps downstairs. Our um, okay. lab, he's good. But it, at night time, if he wakes up to, because he can't make it through the night to pee. So last night, yeah. about two ish, scraping at the crate to get out, take him out, and then Winston will come up and jump back in the bed with us. So oh. yeah, Craig's um not really coping with the puppies. Like <laughs> you know, we kind of, you know, it's like a. I'm like, oh, it's like a normal baby, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's so funny. Oh my gosh, <laughs> but. Yeah, it just I just think when we can take the power back, we don't have yeah. to like. I feel like sometimes we feel like a victim to birth control. Like, what mm. else am I supposed to do if I don't want to get pregnant? And yeah. it's like you you have the tools, like the fifth vital sign, like you mentioned. Lisa's podcast is also an amazing resource. Absolutely. Fertility Friday. Yeah, Wrestler's book is the best. I reckon taking yeah. fertility yep. as well. Um, yeah, yeah, and you've just got to want to. I think you've just got yeah. to want to do it. And then once you get into it, you're like, oh, this is not even that hard. You know, it's yeah, and, and I think like you, that women assume that you right away, you start using fam. You don't, you want to track for three cycles before mm-hmm. you use it as use your birth control. Yeah. yeah. And condoms do work. So, you know, I feel like that. And did you see Lisa's post? I think the other day about, uh, pulling out withdrawal. No, no, it's a really good one. Um, it was, I, it, she had a, gr- a lot of great statistics. I forget like how effective it, it had a very high efficacy rate when done correctly. Yeah. So that's like, it's obviously like, you know, we're not always recommending that your partner has to be very on top of his body and know his body yeah. really well, but, um, like that it's not impossible. You know, it's, yeah. it's, you can find a sustainable way to use fam. Uh, yeah. it does require more communication with your partner, but I feel like it helped our sex life. So yeah. I don't necessarily think it has to be like a negative thing. Nah, nah. Um, and actually, so what I get this question a lot too, um, how long will it take my period to come back? After I oh gosh. <laughs> so, and, so in, in, and again, like, we'll just remind people like, it's your ovulation, right? We're not waiting for your period or waiting for your body to ovulate. So it really depends. Uh, most doctors are going to say like up to a year is considered mm-hmm. normal. Uh, it took me a year for my period to come back after I came off the pill. And, but I also like had hypothyroidism. So that was really what was preventing my ovulation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but basically think about it. if you're on the pill, your brain is not communicating with your ovaries. And so you don't ovulate. And so it can take time for that to come back online. Um, I think working on eating enough food, managing your stress it, when we take the pill, it's putting that low dose or any like hormonal birth control, you're putting a low dose of hormones in your body every day. Right. So that's like this chronic low grade inflammation. And so you're, you're creating this very low grade stress for however long you're taking it. And then a lot of us are like, like I was definitely, I was under eating. I was like, I was on the rowing team in college and I was doing CrossFit. It was like not smart. Um, so my body was super stressed out. So of course my thyroid is not working well. Of course I'm not going to get my period back for a while. So you want to look at all the other areas of your life and that will definitely help. So let's then to finish off, talk about some things that women can do say if they're thinking about coming off the pill, they've come off the pill because we've sort of touched on some of this stuff. Okay. So how can we support our body? So let's say number one, getting adequate calories in. Yes. Eating an, like, if you think about it, if, if, if I'm saying minimize your stress, I, I know some people don't feel this way, but I think that food is one of the number one ways that we have control over our stress. And so eating enough is going to be super, super important. And like, eating on a regular basis, you know, like not waiting a super long time after you get up to eat. Um, 
And I know sometimes it can be hard because some women do gain weight when they stop taking the pill, uh, usually that first month, but you still have to eat. Yeah. And I think, you know, tr- like this is something we find them track your food. Yeah. You know, like take the power back, track your food and it helps you be consistent. You know, like you say, eat every three to four hours, you know, make sure you're getting enough protein. A lot of women that come to us don't eat enough protein. I know. And they overeat fat, you know, and the meal planning and the tracking helps them get into that consistency of balancing those meals. So having, you know, a balance of protein, carbs and fat, you know, balancing their blood sugar, eating every three to four hours, um, and which just makes a huge difference. Like I've seen some women get incredible. I oh, know I'm not, that's not the only thing you have to obviously address. Yeah. Stresses, but it really... I think it can make a lot of difference. Um, and, you know, like, God, like women, when I say to women, like at least 1,800 calories, like, yeah. and if you've definitely, if you're really small and you've been restricting, yeah, increase them gradually because you'll gain weight. But some women are like, I can't believe that, you know, you'd eat 1,800 calories. I'm like, that's at a minimum. If you're trying, yeah. you know, like. And I think looking at your exercise, I can't tell you mm. how many people are coming off hormonal birth control, but maybe they're like cardio queens, you know, like they love running. And, and I don't think it's bad to do things that you enjoy, but I think it's really important to be honest with yourself. Is this helping me during this season of mm. trying to ovulate again and get my period back? Or is this making it more difficult for my body? Um, so I still think strength training is great. Uh, and uh, an important thing to do to kind of minimize a lot of those side effects. And it can be, you know, some women have insulin resistance issues when they come off the pill, especially if they have PCOS. So like strength training is going to be really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I think the little things like, how are you living? Are you constantly rushing around? Are you mm-hmm. behind a computer or a screen like all day long and never getting outside? Are you holding your breath all day? You know, like these little things are like, how are you living? Cause that really is going to make a difference in your overall stress. And those are like free things that you can work on that you don't necessarily have to like go out and buy something for. Yeah, totally. Um, and you know, like some really awesome nutritious liver, you know, like I never ate liver. You know, I was like, oh, liver. Yeah, like no one eats liver. I've never met anyone really who eats liver. Oysters, um, you know, you don't need all these crazy multivitamins. You know, you can just get like they're. I just think if you can, I mean, there's obviously lots of other foods you want to include in your diet too, but they're just some really, I think, nutrient-dense, amazing foods that you can eat. And I mean, think about what's depleted, right? All those B vitamins, liver is going to help with that. Um, Magnesium. So you can definitely do like Epsom salt baths. You could take a magnesium supplement if you want. Uh, I mean, if you think about like vitamin C, vitamin E, I mean, vitamin E is hard to get from food if you're not eating nuts and seeds. And even if you are, it's, it's basically going to get canceled out by the polyunsaturated fats. Um, But like, I do recommend vitamin E supplements when people are transitioning off uh, because usually you're going to have some estrogen dominance rebound. It's pretty Mm. normal because you're not going to ovulate right away. Mm. So the vitamin E can really help to oppose that. Um, And it's been shown to help with building up that corpus luteum and that helps dictate how much progesterone we make. So when you're first going to ovulate, I feel like women think like they're immediately going to be back to normal, but it's like, it will probably take you six months to a year when you come off hormonal birth control to really be into like optimal uh, shape with your hormones and your metabolism, just because you have not been producing progesterone for however long you were on it. Um, and then like fruit, right. Vitamin C, Mm. we need to replenish that vitamin C. So like getting fruit, doing adrenal cocktails, that's going to definitely be really helpful. And like you talked about, like 
oysters and like, I mean, I think like shrimp, cod, stuff like that's great. Any sort of muscle meat's also going to have selenium and zinc. And those are two other ones that you really do want to replenish. So a lot of times we want to turn to, I mean, I don't, I don't know if you've seen like certain supplements, but now everything is like popularized, like post-birth control syndrome, like take this supplement post-birth control. It's all synthetic. It's not actually going to help. So really trying to stick to those whole food things. If you don't eat organ meats, take a supplement. It's okay. It's maybe not quite as good, but Mm. it's still a great option. Like I just don't like liver, especially in pregnancy. It's been like so hard to eat it. I take the saturated liver capsules every day. You yeah, know? me too. Like we've honestly got like hundreds and hundreds of reviews from people on the website. Yeah. Like obviously there's good, better and best. Like yeah. the best thing would be get the fucking cow and slaughter it and eat that fresh liver straight out of the cow. But that's not really practical, you know, yeah. and even, you know, it, like obviously you do lose some nutrients. Like even if you cook, like I used to make pate. So you make the pate, yeah. cook it, it sits in the fridge. And Emma was saying to me, you know, don't make more than a month. Like you can see when you scoop into it, the top's like more gray and then the bottom's yeah. like that's it's oxidizing. And so she's like, you know, there's always going to be some nutrient loss in all men. hundred percent. Unless you eat it straight out of the cow. So she's like freeze drying liver is the best, you know, and it's like I think sometimes too you can get so caught up in I want to be perfect when yeah. it's like, you know, you just, if, if you're not going to like, for me, I know I'm not going to eat it. So obviously yeah. I'm going to take a supplement. What's better. What's better me like make trying to make liver and knowing it's going to sit in the fridge or yeah. taking the supplement. It's like, I'm just going to, I didn't grow up eating it. And I feel like I have some clients that did and they love it. And they're yeah, like yeah, happy yeah. that they yeah. can, they're like, I'm so happy. This is like such a nourishing yeah. food. And I'm like, I don't know how on earth you guys okay. no matter how like I've tried before we got the got the liver capsules I tried for you like at the start and I'd choke it down every week on a Friday I'd make like I'd put try and put prosciutto with it and, my, and I'd be like this is foul you know and I tried putting <laughs> a smoothie oh <laughs> that's the fucking worst I was like that and then yeah at Pate I really do enjoy I love yeah I can it. make I yeah. even with regular beef liver though it was like too strong for me mm. I got duck liver and mm-hmm. duck liver is not as strong. So mm-hmm. I can make like a duck liver pate, but I still have to soak it in milk for like an hour, you know, like <laughs> it's just not that nice. But I know like I've got some few, there's a f- not many of them that love it. They're like, oh, I just love liver. You know, I'm yeah. like, oh, that's so good. But yeah, I think just, you know, we've got the oyster capsules coming out. It took us a oh, while. Cool. Yeah, because we just couldn't. It's so hard to source. It was so hard to yeah. source. Like there's no, uh, these are Tasmania from Tasmania um you know we're freeze drying them it was a long process to try and uh source them so that's exciting so we've got some i mean i think there's a lot less people that hate oysters than liver yeah the way you know i don't like i like really fresh oysters but it's not like i sit there and go oh these are so amazing you know i like um but yeah that'll be good those will come out so if people who really struggle with or even getting them. Sometimes you just don't have access to the oysters. I was going to say some people yeah. don't have access to it. And I, I, I like the smidge oyster zinc always sold out. Mm. Always sold out. It's so I'm like, Ooh, now we have another resource for yeah, oyster supplement. Yeah, and sometimes like, people need yeah. more, like they can't yeah. handle that many oysters, but I use oyster supplements as like a zinc. Like yeah. if someone has really low zinc on their blood yeah. work or their hair test, yeah. but you know, I, I wouldn't be able to eat a bunch of oysters every day. I don't think I would, I think I would eventually get sick of it. Yeah. Yeah. And you got to just like, and they're expensive too. Yeah. You know, like 36 bucks for like 12. If you have two people having them, that's, you know, $72 a week. 
Um, so, yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. And, and, and Emma's, like, super anal about everything quality. So it's, like, everything's being tested and sourced from, like, these, this amazing, you know, place in Tasmania. So, it's yeah, it's really exciting. It took us a long time to get them. Um, what else? So we talked about fruits, amazing, you know. Yeah, just you got to, I think supplements are great, but have the base. Always yeah. start with the base of the food and then add the supplements because you don't, you can't out supplement a shit diet. And especially if you already feel overwhelmed, I find out sometimes people try to do everything at once because they're like, mm. okay, I'm coming off the pill. I need to do X, Y, and Z so that I don't have a bad reaction. Do not stress yourself out in that way. Food yeah. is going to be the most important getting outside, going for walks, being smart with your training, sleeping, like that's number one. And then like supplements are going to be a bonus. Mm. Um, the last thing I would say, something I see a lot of women struggle with after hormonal birth control is their digestion. So mm. if you are noticing that maybe you have a lot of bloating, um, or maybe you're, maybe you're not having a bowel movement every day, I really do like digestive bitters because mm -hmm. that's going to stimulate your own digestive process. Everyone's like, what about enzymes? Enzymes are just exogenous enzymes you're putting in your body. They're not going to stimulate your mm -hmm. body to make its own. So the bitters are just bitter herbs and they're going to stimulate stomach acid, bile, digestive enzymes. Um, so they can really help if like, you know, if you, if you're not having a bowel movement every day, that's definitely going to impact your estrogen levels and mm -hmm. potentially like thyroid and everything else with your hormones. Um, so yeah, th those can be really helpful at first. Uh, and just brand to, specifically that you like, I like urban moonshine is mm -hmm. a great brand. They have an alcohol version. Some people don't like it cause it's strong, but mm -hmm. they also have an apple cider vinegar version. And then organic Olivia has digestive juice and those are bitters. So. so is it like, this might seem like a dumb question, but is it like the bitters that you put in the drink? Yeah. 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 So but you could basically make a soda, you could make, put soda water and lemon juice and yeah. some sugar syrup and then put your bitters in there and have a nice drink. That's <laughs> how some people have it. So some people are like super sensitive to the bitter taste. Yeah. Like, and they, and even though I'm saying that they're bitter, they're like, no, they're bitter. Like, I know they're supposed to be bitter. Uh, and I'll say like, put them in like sparkling water or something and it's not yeah. as bad, yeah. but yeah, some people can't quite handle them, but yeah, it's, it's a similar idea. That's why like, uh, drinks, I think of like, um, oh my gosh, what's it called? A lot of drinks. Like I remember my sister studied abroad in Italy and she got obsessed with this like bitter and it's mm -hmm. like an aperitif. So you have it with yeah. your appetizer before your meal. Cause it stimulates your digestion. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's yeah. always like just old school really, isn't it? Like a lot of, it's nothing. It's not, yeah. And you don't need to do, you don't need to use bitters forever. It's just kind of mm. like, if you're not having regular bowel movements, if you're bloated, if you, if you think you have something going on with your gut, it's usually mm. stemming from your metabolism, which mm. means your digestion is slow. So the mm. bitters just help speed up that digestive process while you're working on everything else. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, that was really um, good podcast. I think we covered so much good stuff yeah. drop the links to the books as well um mm -hmm. yeah listen to that podcast with lisa you know what i really like about her too is because there's some other people that i follow that are like this stuff but their nutrition um recommendations it's like oh. awful yeah <laughs> but hers like really aligns with what we promote you know she's into dairy good quality dairy and yeah and oysters and she yeah. has a great podcast episode on raw milk that i send a lot of people ah, cool i'll have to listen to it yeah mm. yeah she's really nice i really like her yeah. yeah yeah um is there anything else you want to add that we haven't covered i don't think so if you're if if people are like wondering um like wanting to learn more about like 
possible symptoms, side effects of birth control, all those tips are transitioning off. I do have a blog post on that. I can send that to you after Kitty. If you yeah, want. that'd be awesome. Send it um, to me a photo so I can put it in there. Yeah. No, just so that it's off. like. Yeah, I'll obviously also drop your website details and your Instagram handle and stuff. So I'm like, guys, if you don't follow Amanda, go and follow her. She posts lots of awesome stuff. Um, yeah, Hormone Healing RD on Instagram. Um, I have a podcast I started in June. It's called Are You Menstrual? Mm. So definitely go yeah, check sure. those out. Yeah, if they follow, I mean, a lot of people that follow me would follow you too. So there's probably some people that already know about you and listen to the podcast. But for people that don't, definitely get on it. Yeah, your podcast is good. Lots of awesome. Um, I like the one you did recently about the ebbs and flows of the estrogen, you know, like the yeah, the I think that healing journey. Back. Yeah, because it's not linear, you know, and people Definitely get frustrated. Especially with like weight changes and stuff and like mm-hmm. hitting plateaus. It's mm-hmm. like it, think feeling amazing and then having all your symptoms come up. It's so hard, but it's like you yeah. we ha- we have to take responsibility with how did you treat your body for the last 10 to 20 years? And most of us didn't do a great. And so we have to give our body this space to make all these changes to catch up and heal. And I mean, I think it's pretty amazing that most women within like a year or two years, they can really repair their metabolisms, get a lot, get rid of a lot of their root issues. And I mean, after doing many, many years of damage. Oh, I agree. Cause it's like, it's actually like, you think you've done it for 20 years. Like most women that come to us are in their forties and fifties, 20, 30 years of dieting within a year to two years. That's yeah. short. It feels like it's long because I think everyone's so used to the quick fixes, you know, diets that symptom suppressing diets and yep. weight loss. So they're like, Oh, that shit happens in 12 weeks. So it can seem like a long time, but yeah, it's totally stick with it. It's way better than burying your head in the sand and keeping just, Cause you just never get better and it gets worse as you get older. Oh yeah. 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 So keep going guys. Keep going. So <laughs> yeah, don't give up. It's worth it. Um, oh, that was so awesome. Thank you so much, Amanda, um, for coming on. And I think we'll probably record another podcast maybe in the future about minerals as well. We just yeah. really wanted to do this podcast about the birth control specifically. I th- I'm like really curious to see how people will respond to. I'm hoping a lot of women connect with like the talks on like alcohol mm. and just like, you know, the whole beauty standards and stuff. I'd be very curious to see how they feel. Mm. Yeah, me too, actually. Yeah. Send us some feedback if you uh, share, share or, 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 you know, take the screenshot, share us and tag us with your biggest, um, biggest takeaways. Awesome. Well, that was so much, uh, so good, Amanda. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Oh.